0: Welcome, all you that are joining us live. Those of you who will follow up and watch this or get the podcast, we're getting ready to go back to the book of Exodus and we're going to pick up in chapter 33, verse 12. So, Exodus 33, verse 12, and then we'll spend a little time again in the New Testament, try and connect the two. So, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and mercy. Thank you for the time we have to get into your word and to fellowship with each other. Thank you for the time we get to uh, encourage one another and have these moments, Lord. I just think it's healthy for us, Lord, to have these feeding times. And not only that, but times where we can strengthen each other and encourage and remind ourselves that we're not the only ones trying to do this, we have brothers and sisters that are... Uh, staying in the path and keeping, uh, keeping the good fight of faith, and we just ask Lord that that will rub off on the next generations, uh, and that we'll not just rub off. That we'll be intentional about handing it off to the people coming up behind us. Lord, we thank you for your love and pray for understanding today, and give us the give me the tongue of the learned, and give us all ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus thirty-three, verse twelve. Just a a little ways from concluding this book and praying about where to go next. We're in James uh, on Wednesdays, but we'll see. Uh, now, God is, uh, Moses is kind of taught God down, so to speak. It's a hard way to say that, but he stepped in the gap, you remember, and interceded for uh, Israel. And now he's, um, he's, Talking to God about his task. And so verse 12 says, Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Need some help. (laughs) Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore, if I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. What if we had a heart like Moses? What if that was our main prayer? Show me your way. and Listen to how he follows up with that. That I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight. Would God just be overwhelmed if we came into his presence and that was our main prayer? We just want to know you. We want to be with you. I was reading uh, uh, to the staff this morning about from Thomas Merton how he talks about maturity starts happening when we start walking in discernment and detachment. Discernment and detachment. When that starts happening, we know we're moving forward in our Christianity and that not doing wrong is not a matter of being punished. And doing right is not a matter of being legalistic. But it's born out of relationship. We grow beyond that. Initially, that's that's part of our conversion most likely. that We understand what's at stake and we move, make a decision. But then as I've shared with you the last few weeks, that the difference between the law and the New Testament or the New Covenant is like my wife I don't abuse my wife because I'm afraid to go to jail I don't abuse my wife because I love her I have a relationship with her and that's what I think as we mature in the lord we start finding ourselves uh doing things out of love you know I've got I don't want to disappoint the lord right And so Moses is saying, hey, I want to find grace in your sight. And my prayer is that I may know you and that I might find that grace. And consider that this nation is your people. understand that, right? I think I told you last week in one of the sessions, sermons or something, that if your spouse is acting up, go tell God. Say, your daughter is acting up. (laughs) Or your son is acting up. Go go, tell him. <laughs> Say, it's your daughter. Because that's what we got to remember in our relationships. That when you're dealing with somebody. Even if it's your spouse or your children. That they belong to God before they belong to us. So, even your children. That's why we have to follow God's pattern. He says, and that's why I always taught my children... I never taught my children that I was the final authority. That was never taught in my house. I always taught them God was the final authority. Because dad won't be there, mom won't be there when the joint's being passed around, but the Holy Spirit will. He'll be there in that car or at that party. He's the one that can convict them. Ultimately, my children will have to stand before God just like their daddy. And so we never taught our children that we were the buck stopped with us. We taught them the final authority is God. That's it for all of us. You, you were created by God. He gave, a, he gave you to us to be stewards over. And to lead you toward him. But he's your final authority. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So... Teach your children, teach your grandchildren, teach them to mind, teach them to understand and respect authority. But help them to understand that there's a higher authority than you. And that's God. All of us will give an account someday to him. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I like that, don't you? I will give you rest. Who has entered into the rest of the Lord according to the scripture in the new testament those who have ceased from their own labor remember what i said last night as we head into this new year you may want to leave some things behind like paul said forgetting those things that are behind and pressing on and you may want to embrace some things that you've not embraced yet you want to you want to do that right we we enter into that rest when we cease from our own labor and also The way to victory in the Christian life is not trying harder. It's surrender. Surrender. Giving that over to the Lord. Surrendering your rights to do or to not do something. And he says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, I love Moses' response. If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. I think when you shift that gear of of your motive, chief motivation is for serving God is born out of a relationship, like we were talking about, the monk was talking about, when you shift that gear, heaven, the main reason you want to go to heaven is to see your redeemer. I think there are some people that are still just, Heaven's just a place to escape, right? And get away from the other stuff. But moving into that moment where you realize how much love's been poured out on your life. How much forgiveness has been given to each one of us. And he says, uh, if your presence don't go with us, then don't bring, it, don't bring suffering. That's got to be our desire, that we're not moving forward unless God is going with us. Unless he moves with us. And actually, he needs to be in front of us. Let's go to John chapter fifteen and we'll come back to Exodus. Maybe <laughs> there's a lot in John fifteen. Let's look at John fifteen. John, the Gospel of John, chapter fifteen. And let's start at verse one. Listen to the words that Jesus speaks to us. I, these are soothing words, but they also bring us into that moment of of reality. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. That's serious, isn't it? And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes. Oh, no. (laughs) I watched God do that in my own life. I'm sure you've probably seen that. He comes in, He prunes us, and it hurts a little bit, and we lose a little more of ourselves and gain a little more of him. And that's the design, right? When I was growing up, my, my grandparents had orchards, strawberry patches, big fields with vegetables every summer, but grapevines, blackberry, or excuse me, blueberry bushes, blackberry vines. I mean, we had, they had everything. They grew up in the depression. So until my grandmother died, she had not bought corn or beans ever in 60 or 70 years. I mean, that's just, they ground their own cornmeal, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, That's how we grew up. And it would bother me to, when they would set new strawberries out or runners, you wouldn't allow to eat them the first year. You had to pop the blossom off because that's what helped them to be fruitful and to bear bigger and better fruit. Same thing with the apple trees. And my, my grandparents would let certain fields rest, you know. They practiced biblical principles with that. Uh, neither one of them went past the sixth grade, I don't think. Maybe my grandmother went to the eighth grade. But she had to leave home when she was 13 because that's how they, you know, her, grand, her father said, it's time for you to leave and make your own way at 13. Can you imagine sending a 13-year-old out now? They'd be dragging a game controller with them, wouldn't they? They wouldn't know the first thing about hoeing corn, most of them. <laughs> but uh, so all that. I, but those principles were taught to me because I, I more than any of the twenty-some grandchildren, I spent more time there. And to be fair, I lived a couple of houses over, so I walked over there all the time. And I spent sometimes I'd spend eight hours in one of those fields uh, working you know, as I got older. But I learned a lot of these principles that you're going to be pruned. If you want the best, wholesome, and largest even fruit, those plants have to be pruned. And sometimes they have to let, be let set for a season. And uh, it's, un- it's interesting to me that a lot of people would garden and sometimes they'd have a good year or a bad year And certainly with my grandparents, they would have better years than others, but they never had years where things wouldn't bear because they did it right. They planted by the signs. God put those signs in the heavens for a reason. You could plant stuff. that, If you plant at a certain time, it would bear better. If you tilled at a certain time, the weeds would be less. They knew all that stuff. And I tell you, as time gets rougher... The smartest person in the room might be the person that knows how to can and put stuff up, you know, uh, as we go into harder times. So intelligence is relevant, you know. It's like, what do you need for that season or that moment, right? It could be if you're in a famine or a drought or hard times, it might be the woman who didn't go past the sixth grade but knows how to can and put up everything. She might be the smartest person in the room that day, right? I mean, that's how intelligence works. It's not the person with the most pieces of paper, uh, necessarily. But in certain moments, listen, the smartest person in the room a little over a year ago in Texas for me was the surgeon, <laughs> and I was thankful for that. But every situation is different, right? And so, uh, just God has assembled a body together. It's amazing what I think he's done in this body and even the satellite how everybody is so got different gifts and things they bring to the body. And uh, it's just, that's how God designed it. That's, you see that with even what we've been studying in Exodus. So he says, uh, he prunes fruit. He takes some, uh, he prunes the, some vines or branches. Some branches are taken away. Uh, he says, he prunes them so it might bear more fruit. So that's what's happening in our lives. God prunes us so we'll bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me. And that Greek word. Is the word. Meno. That's the Greek word for abide. And abide. Means to remain. To stay put. To continue. So. It's not that anybody's perfect, but it's somebody who refuses to to leave, right? That's what abiding is. It's the same kind of concept in Psalm 84. Uh, Blessed is he whose heart is set on the pilgrimage or journey, is how the psalm says in Psalm 84, whose heart is set on it. What is he saying there? In the Hebrew, he's saying somebody who refuses to turn back. They're committed to the journey. No matter what. You can't deci- You can't wait and decide if you're going to stick it out or not. You can't wait to see what happens. You and I should have made up our mind we weren't going to quit yesterday. You understand what I'm saying by that? That should have already been decided. We don't wait to see if things go our way or if we don't have any trouble, which is a distorted view of the gospel that some people preach. I understand that. You... We, we don't wait to see what's going to happen to decide whether we're going. To. We're staying. No matter what comes our way, we're like a tree planted by the water. Remember that song we sang growing up? I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the water. I shall not. Why? Because I'm in love. That's why I'm not moving. Do you think they could have kept me out of that church house that day I was getting ready to get married? We had six in It snowed six inches the day of my wedding. The piano player wrecked. Everything went wrong in the natural. But guess who showed up? I did. You weren't going to keep me away from that church house. My bride was over there, right? I didn't care if it snowed six feet. Right? And I'm in love again. I'm in love with the Lord. I ain't quitting. I may stumble. I may fall. I may get punched right between the eyes. I may take on some shots from the enemy, wounded. But I ain't leaving. I'm going to be like Peter. The Lord actually opened the door for him. He said, you guys going to leave? Peter said, we ain't got nowhere else to go. You got the words of life. When you come to that revelation, life changes. When you come to that moment in your life when you say, you know what? There really isn't nowhere else to go. You have the words of life. If you and I turn from truth, there is nowhere else to go. And he's the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is a person manifested in the law of God, the word of God. So he says, uh, abide in me, stay in me, remain, is, is another word, a big word for the, for the, meno. remain, stay put. Now, you look at David's life, David's, David was an abider, he wasn't perfect, he failed a few times, but he refused to walk off. Job, same way, they refused to turn back. They, they weren't like Orpah. Naomi gave Ruth and Orpah a choice. In fact, she tried to talk Ruth into going back. She, didn't, she thought Ruth wouldn't like it or whatever, you know. Didn't want her to go back in a grieving state. But Ruth decided to move forward and Orpah said, I'm going back. I'm going back. It's about love, commitment. As the branch, here's, here's what Moses said. Moses said, if you don't go... We're not going. We all should be that way. Do not run ahead of the Lord. I don't care if you have to wait three months on Him. Do not. And if I've learned something valuable, I'll hand it off to you. Some of you have heard me say it before. Do not finish God's sentences for Him. If He gives you a partial sentence or a partial command, do not fill in the blanks on your own. Wait for Him to return and finish Maybe, maybe he, you can't handle everything. We're, we're not God. And so if God gives you partial revelation, wait on him to finish bringing the rest of it. Do not get in front. You and I don't do well as the guide. Let him stay in his proper space. If God gives us half of a revelation, he's got reasons for waiting to bring the other half in. But do not finish God's sentences for him. He says, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. He keeps using this word, meno, right? As, uh, he says, As the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in me, in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So he's equating himself basically to the main vine. We're branches. And he's saying, In me, right? He says, In me, you, you can bear fruit, and if you allow, if I prune you, you'll bear more fruit. But if you're outside of me, you're not going to bear any fruit. I am the vine; you are the branches. It makes it very plain. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Let's read verse five together. Will you help me read it? judgment abiding I've told you this many times there's nobody in this room going to live a perfect life but you can stay the course the Bible gives us instructions about failure right it says a righteous man may what fall seven times but what will he do the Bible says let that which is lame be healed and turned back into the path you may get something out of the path occasionally but let it be pushed back in let it be healed and turned back in Do not get, do not turn away from the path. Do not walk out. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, this is why it's important to be in the word. Faith comes by hearing and by what? Hearing the word of God. So get yourself in the word of God every day. Your mind's renewed by the word of God. And that's our biggest enemy is how we think, right? Get fear, doubt, unbelief distorted views because we listen to the enemy instead of listening to God. Here's what I'll say to you. Most of the time, if you get some interaction from the Holy Spirit and he says something to you and gives you encouragement or hope about something coming in front of you, most of the time the devil's going to put the opposite of that up. He he wants you to get discouraged. He wants you to not trust through, right? To trust To move to that moment. He wants to block you. Because he knows he can't stop God. So his only alternative is to get us to back away. God's word don't return void. So the devil, he knows he can't stop God. If he was going to stop God, he would have kept Jesus from coming out of that grave. And that was not successful. He knows he can't stop God. So his best weapon is to get us to back away. Okay, God says... Believe for this, this is coming your way. And the devil steps in that moment in between here and the fulfillment of that thing and gets us, tries to discourage us, get us to not believe, get us to start doubting, get us to start living in fear. That's his tactic, and that all happens up here in this soulish man. Because if you're born again and you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, then he's never, the, the Holy Spirit's never afraid, he never doubts. It's up here. All that, that's where the battleground's at, right? That's where the collisions take place. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now, the whole key behind that, though, is what we were talking about last night. You want to get, you want to spend enough time with God where your desires, where his desires become your desires. Right? So that you can pray his will and not your own. Because if it's somebody, let's say it's a child, or like I was sharing last night, somebody I love dearly, and, and those, that part of my family treated me like their own child. They were the most blessed, and they sometimes <clears throat> would take me on vacation or whatever. They, they treated me like their own child. And it, it was hard for me to pray God break them, because I knew what that meant spiritually. I knew that meant tough times might come their way. But that was what God saw needed to happen. Because my natural man, my unled by the spirit person was saying, oh God bless them. If you've got a child that's away from God and living in sin, uh, I don't know that God's blessing is what they need. <laughs> what they need is God's brokenness, maybe. But the spirit knows, that's what I'm saying. The spirit knows, and he, and, but that might be hard to pray. If it's somebody you really love, to to come alongside the Holy Spirit and let Him lead you and say, Lord, break them. Whatever that means. That's a hard prayer to pray. If it's somebody you love. For the Lord to break them. Now, when I worked in the mines, some of you may have heard me share this before, but when I worked in the mines, I was working with a guy who had walked with the Lord at one season in his life and was way away from God. At this moment. And we were working through the 4th of July. He and I got. Volunteered for that. Excuse me. We worked 70 some hours that week. He and I did. Because we were the only two guys in that part of the mines working. And. um, We were ready to go home. We'd worked so hard so that on Friday we could. Or Saturday might have been. We could get out of there early. And. uh, Because we'd worked so much and. So we were getting ready to leave, and this big coal washer plant was like six stories high, full of equipment that washed, separated coal from rock and all that. And it had an alarm on it. And so we we couldn't get the alarm to set. And we thought of all days, (laughs) the alarm won't set after we've worked 70 hours, and we just would like to get out of here while there's still daylight. And so we... We couldn't get the alarm to set. And he, he was a little more electri- electrician inclined than I was. Didn't take much to be more electric <laughs> inclined than I was. So he's up there, like three stories in that plant, working on a connection. And I'm down there looking at that keypad, getting frustrated. Because I'm trying to get it to set. And uh, finally, this verse came to me. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. That verse hit me while I stand in front of that alarm pad. And I looked at that alarm pad and spoke that verse over it. I declared that verse over that alarm pad. And I punched the numbers in. It set. You know why? Because the spiritual law is greater than the natural law. The spiritual world trumps the natural world. But that what, God didn't set that alarm that day because he wanted me to get out a few minutes early. I hollered up to, his name was Tim. I hollered up to guy, Tim and I said, hey, come on down, the alarm's set. Uh, he responded, "You only had like a minute to get out. And he said, the alarm's not set. I said, yes, it's set. And so we argued a little bit and finally he come running down those stairs and, and he said, the alarm's not set. I said, it's set. Let's get out of here. I said, you can hear it. It's dinging. And so we got out, locked the door and set it. And he said, the alarm can't be set. I said, well, you saw that it was set. He said, the alarm can't be set. And he held out his hand and said, because I got the connection here in my hand. Then the Lord showed up. He got broke. I, I told him what I'd done. I said, I just spoke God's word over it. And and did away with the natural world and stepped right into the spiritual world. Well, it ministered to him. See, God had been trying to woo him back in. And so we got to pray that day right there in front of the prep plant. And he returned back to the Lord. See, God don't do, there was only two of us there. God don't do supernatural things to make you and I big showboats. He does them because, you know what his number one priority is? saving the lost, <laughs> returning the prodigal. That's his number one priority. It ain't about to make Matthew Robbins have a name or a church have a name or for you to look good in front of your friends. God's desire is not that any would perish but that all would come under repentance. That's his number one desire. That's why he nailed his son to a tree. is to save the world from their sin. And sometimes I think we get sidetracked, you know, thinking God wants to make us look good. That's not what this is about. I got the wrong glasses on. <laughs> this is about his glory, not our glory. His glory. That, he, said, he didn't set that alarm because he wanted me to get home a couple hours early. He set that alarm because he was getting ready to reel one of his prodigals back in. That's why he set that alarm that day. And don't you think my faith didn't run up to the moon too? When he opened his hand and showed me that connection that the alarm was severed up there where he was at, I'm like, I serve a big God. If he can bring some guys out of a fiery furnace that don't even smell like smoke and not one hair singed on their head, you think setting an alarm is any problem for God? If he can hang the stars out every day and keep the sun from destroying everything, you think setting an alarm is too hard for the Lord? If he can save a wretch like us, you think setting an alarm is a big deal for God? He can blow his nose and shake the whole world down with the blast of his nostrils, the psalmist said. Our God's in charge. But if we get in that spot to where we say, this is all about your glory, isn't it, God? It ain't about us building a name for ourselves or building even a name for our church. It's about your glory. That's what happened to them at the Tower of Babel. They were trying to build a name for themselves. God said, that won't work. So he come down and confounded all that. So that was an experience I had. But that's a true verse, not only... Is it true for all of us? But I've put it to the test, not just then. That's one of the more magnificent moments that that verse is. But I've used that verse with people who are sick in my own personal situation. That verse is real. But you cannot claim that verse if you don't stuff the Word in you. Here's what I would say. Stuff the Word in you like you stuff a turkey. Stuff yourself full. Fill yourself up with God's Word. Let it come out of you. Instead, of, If you'll fill yourself up with God's Word instead of doubt and unbelief and cursing and anger and whatever else you can come up with, instead of that coming out of you, the Word will start coming out of you. Over time, the Word will start coming out of you. That's, that's And that's what does more damage to Satan and what gives God more glory is when God's Word just abides in us, and it comes out of us. Remember in James, it talks about engrafted word. The Greek word for that is "infutos." It means what's been deposited, implanted. And the best way for me to illustrate that is, we know how that works with money, right? You don't put money in an account, you can't get anything out of it. And that's what's happening, I think, with a lot of Christians. They, they're, they're doing... Things in the natural, but they don't take that time to make those deposits. So when the devil shows up, they don't have anything to fight with. Or when a situation needs to be overcome, they don't have enough word in them to believe and trust God that he's able to do it. I'll tell you how I I, I believe the word. It's the top of the rung. And why can I say that? Because the Bible says Jesus was the Word made flesh. So when I say that, I'm talking about Jesus. And in Psalm 138, it says God magnified His Word above His name. And we know how powerful His name is. There's no other name whereby men might be saved. Uh, but I, I had another situation where a lady had a heart issue. She had a bad heart valve. And usually when they do that, they either put a mechanical valve or a pig's valve in there. You Some of you... And so she was in a situation, and she was bad at this moment. She had come out of surgery, and they didn't know if it was touch and go. They didn't know if she was going to make it. And I was always told, and I've proved this out too, because I've been around a lot of death now, because, just because of my position, uh, that hearing the last thing to go. And so she was out of it. There were two nurses. This is how serious it was. There were two nurses in her room standing. They weren't just coming to check on her. They'd, she was in, in a really tight spot. and I, So I went in to see her, and they let me in just for a few moments. She was out of it. But I, I got the Lord had given me a particular psalm to read over her, and so I prayed with her, and then I read that psalm over her. She was out, on life support, out. I left, and uh, the Lord gave me a word when I left that he was going to raise her up. And, um, so when I, the next day they called and said, the Lord, had, or they didn't say the Lord, but the, the Lord had co- showed up. She'd come back out of it and she was, she's fine. She's still alive today. When I went to see her the next time, when she was alert and off all that equipment, she said, I just want you to know something. She said, when you came in here and prayed over me that day and she told me which Psalm I'd read, She said, I heard every bit of that. She said, in fact, when you left the room, the nurses were making fun of you because they thought I was out of it. She said, but I heard every bit of that. And it strengthened her inner person. And God's word, what did he say? He sent his word and healed them. Sent his word to do it. So I, you know how stickler I am for God's word. And if I give you anything but God's Word, I make it plain to you, hey, this is my opinion. Uh, But it works. And like I was saying last night, God's sovereignty and our faith, we're called to have faith, He's sovereign. Sometimes those things clash, right? When they clash, God's sovereignty is always going to win out because He's already been around the corner. And you cannot judge, and you'll see that in the newsletter next week, you cannot judge by the seeing and the hearing. Because that's why, when I left her room, she looked like she was going to die. But the, when I walked out the corner, the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm raising her up. Wasn't long after that, I went to another room to visit somebody. They looked like a picture of health. I thought, in my natural man, I thought everything's going to be fine. When I walked around the corner that time, the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm getting ready to take them home. And they passed on. It was their time to go. So we don't, we're not God. We don't get to play God. We're his servants. He, he don't serve us. We serve him. He takes care of us, but he's not. He's not our servant. We're his servant. And God's in charge. And his sovereignty knows things you and I will never know. He's God. Listen, when I look at the world and I look at situations, I think sometimes I'm old enough now where I've got more questions than answers. But I live by faith. I don't live by sight. I don't know why Ukraine has to be destroyed. I don't know why we, got, why we need to keep having dad beat dads that won't take care of their children. All that stuff kind of bothers me. But God's got a plan, and he's way smarter than I will ever be, and he knows what he's doing. If you got questions for God, that's fine. You can ask him. He may or may not give you the answer. But don't ever have a question for God that indicts him. Because you're standing on thin ice then. If you come to God with a question as if to say to God, I don't think you know what you're doing, you better stay away from that. But if you've got a question for God because you really want an answer, you would like to understand something, he's big enough to handle that. He's your father. You can ask him things. But we should never approach him in a way as if to say. We don't think you know what you're doing God. Because that's not true. He knows exactly what he's doing. If there's any confusion. It ain't up yonder. As they say where I'm from. It's down here. That's where the confusion's at. He says. Um, he says. If you abide in me. My words abide in you. You will ask what you desire. And it shall be done for you. By this. My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. This is what I want to end on. Uh, And I'm going to talk about this a little bit Sunday probably. I want us to rethink why we live. Why are you, what are you and I living for? If in sickness or in health, if in poverty or in wealth, if in turmoil or triumph, if in any of that, my life glorifies God, I win. Doesn't matter what my condition is as long as my life glorifies god that's the main thing and that's been that's been nagging at me do i think that i only glorify god when i'm standing on top of the hill with a full wallet and no aches or pains what if god can get just as much glory from a martyr As he can a guy in a palace. And he did didn't he? Jesus destroyed the enemy. In his most vulnerable hour. What would Paul say? His strength. Is made perfect. Or complete. In my weakness. I love that. Lord we thank you for this day. Thank you for the time we've had in the word. Pray Lord that the Holy Spirit will just take this word. I, I minister to, Lord, and I hope everybody else was because it's your word. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will just build us up inside in this inner man so that we will be able to be bring you glory in 2024. In Jesus' name.